Welcome to the Church and Culture Podcast, a weekly discussion with Dr. James Emery White on the latest trends happening in culture and where and how the church should respond. Jim is the founding and senior pastor of Mecklenburg Community Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, president of Serious Times, a ministry devoted to exploring the intersection of faith and culture, former professor of theology and culture at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, where he also served as their fourth president, and the author of more than 20 books. I am your host, Alexis Dry, and I can't wait to dive into this week's conversation. Well, hey, Jim, and hey to all of you who are listening. Now, if you haven't already heard, the United States Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, he recently issued a 19-page public warning advisory about the risks of social media for children and adolescents. And so to quote that report, it says, there are ample indicators that social media can also have a profound risk of harm to the mental health and well-being of children and adolescents. Okay, forgive me, but is anybody surprised by this? Like the writing has been on the wall for quite a while. So why is this like, why is this advisory such big news? And you're such a pro social media person. <laughs> right. Knowing you. Um, well, it is, it is big. It's a, it's a big deal because it's an official assessment and declaration by the United States Surgeon General. And it had never, that's never been done with social media before. And it was, um, and it was big because no, I'll beg to differ with you a little bit. <laughs> I don't think it's commonly accepted. I don't think it's commonly believed. The evidence for that is how many parents are not limiting social media use by their children, hmm. or at least they limit it sparingly, or they don't limit it enough. You can think of the importance of this, uh, at least potentially. Uh, as to when the Surgeon General's office first came out in 1964 uh, and said that smoking was harmful uh, to you. And that was a bombshell in American culture and in, and in American lives. Uh, I mean, people, in the, the next year, 1965, the Congress required all cigarette packages to carry a health warning. And then by 1970, that warning was actually on those packages as issued by the Surgeon General's office. Before that, some people may have intuitively, to your <laughs> wordage, thought it wasn't plan A, but they smoked away. And the practice itself was not deemed a health hazard. Mm. It really wasn't. I, I remember uh, kind of anecdotally, um, you know, I remember how common smoking was. Mm. I mean, really common. And both of my parents smoked. And when the Surgeon General's report came out, they both instantly stopped. Because they didn't, you know, nobody knew for sure that this was bad for you. And you just grew up with it, particularly in Southern culture and, you know, in the South, you just grew up with it. And, um, and I remember they just both instantly, because of the Surgeon General, because it, it got official, because the studies came in, it's like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And so, in fact, I was the only child, they had three children. They smoked, my mom smoked and my dad smoked with second hand smoke throughout both of the pregnancies of both my brother and my sister. And I was the only one where they didn't smoke. Which is why I'm I'm the best of the oh <laughs> of the three. That's your conclusion. <laughs> As, yeah, but the but the really but the practice itself was was not deemed a health hazard, and when the Surgeon General weighed in, everything changed. So yes, I I would say this is a big deal. It, it should be a big deal. Hmm. Okay, so when it talks about how um, social media is a harm to mental health and the well being of children and adolescents, that's a little vague. Can you can you clarify a little bit? Like, what is that specifically referring to? Well, yeah. I mean, you dig into the 19 pages. It was a sweeping indictment 
Um, it was an official advisory on the potential dangers of social media for children, highlighting its negative impact on mental health and overall well-being. The report focused on children and teenagers between the ages of 10 to 19, and particularly that age group because that's they're developing brains are particularly vulnerable. And while social media, it found, can be beneficial as a creative outlet, which I don't think is a surprise to anyone, studies show that excessive social media use is linked to problems such as uh, cyberbullying, um, exposure to harmful content, disrupted sleep patterns, negative body image, and reduced physical activity. The report also noted that social media platforms brim with extreme inappropriate and harmful content, including content that can normalize self-harm, eating disorders, other self-destructive behavior. Uh, spending more than, and, and you know, and, and of course it didn't even get into just things that are just completely coarse and completely vulgar and just completely just abhorrent and, and that no, no human should have in their minds and even see. Spending more than three hours per day on social media was found to double the risk of symptoms related to depression and anxiety, double. Uh, teenagers currently average, the average teenager is three and a half hours a day. So we're, they're already running twice the risk, the average teenager, for these issues. And then you add, throw in what uh, Pew Research found through their surveys, that one third of all teens say that they use social media almost constantly. Mm -hmm. well, it's not just three and a half hours a day, right. it's almost constant. Um, and 95% of all teenagers, which means almost every teenager, is at least using one social media platform. They're on at least one. Um, the advisory follows a request from the American uh, Psychological Association last year uh, that asked the Surgeon General, that asked Murthy to raise awareness about the potential risks, to dig into this. Like They just were, they were asking them to do that. And um, the advisory that he issued did not provide guidance on what a healthy use of social media would look like, nor did it condemn social media use for all people. But it did conclude that we do not yet have enough evidence to determine if social media is safe. We just, we can't, we can't declare it safe for children and adolescents. But the Surgeon General has in the past, not in this particular report, but in public sayings and in writings, he has said that the age of 13, which is a common age for platforms to open up legally, uh, is too early mm -hmm. for a child. Based on everything he was seeing, all the studies, all the evidence, that 13 was too young. They, mm -hmm. they for for uh, otherwise you invite all of these negatives. Well, you know I can't resist commenting on that. Well, let me pose this as a question first, because all right, so. I think, okay, so the report comes out and I think naturally the response is, okay, well, whose problem is this? Like now that we have the data, who should make the first move? Because if we're expecting it to be children and adolescents who this is about, we should probably think again, because as Dr. Murthy said in this a recent interview, he said to quote him, adolescents are not just smaller adults. They're in a different phase of development and they're in a critical phase of brain development. So that said, how much personal responsibility should we, for change, should adolescents have? And if we don't expect that they can make those changes, might we want to revisit the age recommendations for social media platforms? 
See, I, everything about how you phrase that question uh, frustrates me okay. and irritates me, not at you, mm-hmm. but at the way you phrased it, because because you have to phrase it that way. You're, you're phrasing the right question culturally. I'm frustrated that that's the right question culturally. Mm-hmm. And, and let me tell you what, what I mean. Um, uh, it is not the adolescent's responsibility to self-regulate their use of social media. That's insane. Adolescence is generally defined as the time between the onset of puberty and the beginning of adulthood. So you're not talking about adults. So let's say it can begin as early as the age of even 10. Uh, A 10-year-old is not capable of that kind of self-regulation, nor should they be expected to be. They are a child. They're a child. So then to your question as to whether age limits are the answer. Let's look to companies as the answer um, by... uh, prohibiting children to access. And again, that's what frustrates me, that those are our two choices. The child fix it themselves or companies fix it. And you you can smell where I'm going. Yeah. Um, well, you know, companies are already putting it in place. Uh, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, all list the age requirement of being at least 13. Now, Mirth has already said that's too young, but still, they, they, they at least make it 13 and older. And with certain platforms like Facebook, between the ages of 13 and 18, uh, there are additional restrictions about what you can access. So any child uh, who is on social media prior to 13 shouldn't be, even by the norms of these secularly driven profit-based companies who don't care, except anything but. And even they're saying 13 and older. But those kids are on platforms by at least that age, if not much earlier. I, I read recently, and we'll try to get the source for this in the show notes. One out of every four uh, kids in the UK have their own cell phone by the age of four. 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 Uh, so the issue is not the child. See, the, the issue, it isn't the social media companies. The issue is the parents. Hmm. This is a parent issue. So, you know, when you said, okay, so do we have the kids fix this or do we go to the social media companies? I go, ah, see that. And you phrased it right. That's the, that's, that's the question culture is asking. And what we need to say is none of the above. Mm -hmm. It's the parents. I mean, those, I mean, you know, it's the parents. Um, That's where the primary responsibility for social media use rests. Uh, We can talk about the role of companies and governments and the church, you know, if you like, but the bottom line is that this is a matter of parents needing to be informed, involved, mm-hmm. in charge. Mm-hmm. And that includes social media. And um, and so, you know, if a child is, is on a social media platform younger than 13, that's a parent made that decision. Mm-hmm. If, if, a, if, a, if a child is on at 13, that parent made that decision. If that child owns a cell phone at a certain age, it, the parent made that decision. Mm-hmm. And, and for a parent to throw up their hands as if they're helpless with all this, well, we can, we can talk about that later too. Uh, but um, I'll go ahead and give you a clue. They're not helpless <laughs> well, with and this. And this all- is a parent, you're in charge. And the whole idea of a parent-child relationship is that you're the mature one and the child is the immature one and you're making these decisions for them. Yeah. And well- need to. I was going to say, in all fairness, the report does call on parents and families to take charge and and like leading the way towards change. It talks about setting family boundaries around social media usage, limiting screen times, and a couple of other ideas. But 
I guess like as a parent, my response would be, this is new territory for parents. Like we did not, most of us did not grow up with social media. And I'm just going to add, not to mention the adults are struggling with the same mental health health consequences as a result of our own social media usage. So it can feel like the blind leading the blind sometimes. So I'm not like like, give a blanket excuse, but I do think like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? No, I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Uh, Well put. Um, Many parents were not raised with social media themselves. And as a result, they're not sensitized to what it means to grow up with it. They're not natives to it at all. Uh, Second, their own use of social media adopted later in life seemingly has few boundaries. (laughs) Um, it's not just kids with their phones out at the dinner table. It's mom and dad with their phones out at the dinner table and constantly on their phones. I mean, kids look over at their dad and he's just constantly on the phone, you know, or constantly whipping it out or whatever. Third, many of the things that are harmful to kids are harmful to adults in the same way, as you mentioned, it really is a mess. Um, it, it's like, you know, it's like an, a, a, a parent that struggles with weight an overweight parent trying to help an overweight child right. when they when they have the same bad habits or the same poor nutritional health. So here are some boundaries, you know, to that parents might want to think about that, that if they're not already, uh, and it may have never entered the mind of earlier generations. For example, things like limiting phone minutes mm-hmm. and texts and, and online hours, you know, don't let it take over their life. You're in charge of that. Uh, don't let them sleep with their cell phone uh, under their pillow or, or by their bed. The phone should be turned off and and maybe kind of even confiscated at bedtime. I mean, that, you know, uh, have times of the day where where they have to turn their phone off. Times when texting is not allowed, such as family vacations or family outings. Don't allow cell phones at the dinner table. <laughs> uh, keep all computer use in a public area. Uh, don't let them be on social media platforms like TikTok, Whisper, Snapchat, uh, Facebook, such, unless they friend you as a parent, give you access as a parent to to that world. Uh, don't let them join any social media prior to the stated age. And even then, make sure that you're comfortable with that age. Who cares if the company says, we think it's fine at 13? The company's not the parent. Uh, you're the parent. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're comfortable with that age. And don't just let what they say be you know, okay, well, that's what I'm going to allow as a parent. Think it through. Um, these social media companies want to hook your child into their platforms as early as they can because they say it's okay at 13 doesn't make it okay. They aren't the parent. Again, you are. Mm-hmm. The Surgeon General's report, you're right, said as much. Said as much. It maybe didn't sound as cranky as I do, but they <laughs> said it as, as much. And it recommended the parents and the caregivers to set expectations about how technology should be used and to create, uh, I think the wordage was tech-free zones, mm-hmm. uh, like at dinner or before bedtime. Uh, and for the kids themselves, though I said it's not their responsibility, there are things that they should be encouraged to do um, that I think are commonsensical, like, hey, seek help if if you or a friend are being harmed by social media. You, you sense that. And and be careful about sharing too much information on social media and report any online harassment or abuse. Those are things that children should be encouraged to do. But again, even those are things that parents should be instilling into their children. Right. 
think I would think that parents, part of leading the way is leading the way by example. And so, I mean, certainly the maturity of an adult should manifest itself in, a, in different rules. They don't need to have the exact same screen rules as their children do. But I think, yeah, probably it starts with parents making, knowing and to make wise decisions with their own social media usage too. Yeah. Now, I do want to talk about lawmakers for a little bit because lawmakers, whether you want them to or not, they are taking matters into their own hands with this. Um, Our listeners have probably heard, for example, about how TikTok was recently banned um, or a yeah, TikTok was recently banned um, by in, in Montana by the governor in Montana. Um, I also learned that in U- Utah, um, they became the first state to restrict anyone under the age of 18 from social media platforms without explicit parental consent. I don't know if I'm like wading into too big of a conversation here, but if we, we're kind of considering a biblical theology for the role of governing authorities, is this a space in which we would expect them or want them to get involved? Or is it just the parents need to be the ones? Oh, no, I, I definitely, we live in a representative democracy. And so if we don't like their involvement, we can vote with our votes. But as a whole, and this is my personal view, um, there has been very little regulation of social media. Uh, it's a technology that has developed so rapidly and then spread so rapidly, along with so many others, AI and things of that nature, that culturally and legislatively, we are behind and we are racing to catch up with this. And um, what's available online and not just social media is so vast, so accessible, so public, uh, so put out there that some guardrails need to be up, particularly for the young if for no other reason than to assist what parents are trying to do, giving parents some tools, giving parents some help uh, from that end. So for policymakers, um, it is now being recommended, and I don't have any problem with these recommendations, um, that uh, that they create age-appropriate health and safety standards, uh, require more data privacy protections for kids, mm-hmm. uh, fund future research, uh, support digital and media literacy education in schools, and um, require tech companies to share health-related data. Uh, those, to me, sound commonsensical mm-hmm. and not overly invasive in regards to matters of free speech or free market. Mm. Well, if we're on that topic then of, you know, the tech companies, the social media companies, you know, what what changes are in the works on their front? You mentioned some are considering the, the age restriction. I mean, they've placed age restrictions um, on their um, platforms, but what else? Is there anything else that they're doing that you know of in response to this advisory? Or like I said, I don't think that this is brand new information, but what they've been recently doing yeah. Well, I know the Surgeon General report called on them to do four very specific things, um, to run independent assessments on the impact of their products on kids, that they had to own that, uh, to share findings and underlying data with researchers, uh, have timely systems to address complaints and requests from young users and their families and educators, and to prioritize health and safety in designing products for the young. I, 
I found that to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly studying the impact of social media on kids. They, they simply have access to data no one else has. I mean, obviously, they're the ones that are seeing the usage. They're seeing, you know, they've got, they've got access to all that. They know exactly what's happening on their platforms. And I hope they'll do it and share what they know with good conscience, mm-hmm. uh, even though it goes against their bottom line. And it may be that that's where legislation has to force them to do that. Yeah. Uh, if it's addictive and harmful, which we are finding to be true for children, uh, hence the Surgeon General's report, I hope that they will say so uh, in ever clearer and more specific ways. Um, this will help parents lead their children. They say 13 is when it's allowed, but should it be? Should it be? Mm-hmm. Let me bring up cigarettes again. Um, public health experts say don't smoke. Uh, cigarette companies want people to smoke. We got a bit of a conflict of interest there. Mm-hmm. Uh, early on, those companies fought against anyone saying it was harmful. And they said it wasn't harmful. Well, then when that got proven, then they wanted to fight against advertising limitations. You know, they didn't want to be told how they could advertise or who they could advertise to. They fought that. Then they fought age restrictions. Um, and lately, there's been all kinds of concerns with vaping and teens. And now, based on all we know, we have now collectively raised a legal age to purchase tobacco products to 21. We need to find out, like we did with smoking in our lungs, what social media is doing to our emotions, our minds, and our relationships, and more. So the full disclosure of any and all findings about the effects of social media, particularly with children, is absolutely critical. Um, they sell cigarettes with a surgeon general's warning on the pack, and they aren't allowed to advertise to kids, and you have to be 21 to buy them. We don't have any of those kinds of regulations on anything of social media. Hmm. None. None. Hmm. That's a really great comparison. I haven't considered that before. Okay. I don't want to end yet because I feel like I want to address how one more arena might respond. And this might not have come to, I don't know, to the forefront of anybody's mind, but I think it should be a part of the conversation. And that is how might the church respond? Should the church respond? I mean, certainly not everything about social media is harmful, but there's enough about it that's harmful, particularly, as the report said, for children and teenagers, although I'd add adults too. But I I think there's enough there to warrant a conversation. Like how might Christ followers in, and this is the key, like in the context of biblical community, digest this information together and respond to it? Yeah. I go back to my big three parenting principles um, that I find myself teaching and preaching and admonishing more now than I ever have in the course of my vocational ministry, that you need to be informed, involved, and in charge. Um, And that includes social media. Uh, In my latest book, Hybrid Church, I've got a, a section on the pros and cons of things like social media that might help people begin to think Christianly about these things, particularly the fifth and sixth chapters, uh, where I detail what the online world is doing to us, but also how we live in the unavoidable tension of living in a digital world for our mission. Uh, And so I think that might help with wrestling with some of these things. But to your question, I think that churches have got to start teaching on this. 
There's just almost no teaching for parents on this. And it has to be a part of Christian discipleship and certainly a part of Christian discipleship in relation to parental training. Uh, and, and I'm very proud of our church and the work that you and others have done with us. Uh, right now, one of our most popular classes is led by one of our Met Kids pastors um, that we offer. It's on demand through the Mech Institute, so people can check it out. Um, uh, they can take it free online through our website, but it's called FaceTime. And the subtitle is What Parents Need to Know About Technology, Social Media, Video Games, and More. And, and I, I can't stress enough how this is what the kinds of conversations, the kind of teaching, the kind of discipleship that needs to be taking place in the church and then parents talking about it. But you mentioned community and, and what here's, here's what I'm finding increasingly needs to happen in churches and very, and to be done self-consciously. We've got to rally around each other mm-hmm. and mutually encourage each other to parent in ways that are counter-cultural. I've talked to so many parents who, when, you know, you, you teach on the biblical principles of parenting, you even teach on, on, you know, some common sense parameters on social media. And they'll say, it just feels like I'm swimming upstream. It just feels like I'm, 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 I'm the oddball. I'm the only parent doing this. And I just, it, it's so hard. It's so hard. You know, I don't want my 10 year old to have a cell phone, but every other kid in the class has a cell phone. And I felt if I don't get them a cell phone, then they're going to be ostracized or bullied or teased or left out or whatever. And the pressure on parents is is intense. And and I know, and it's hard. Um, But, and, and, you know, I'm not going to let my child watch that or no, we're not going to, you know, do this. And and, um, we are going to kind of do life differently. Um, And, and it does, it feels like you're swimming upstream. And I think what Christian community can do is to give strength and encouragement to each other as parents, particularly, and in several ways. And I do this a lot with my teaching on this. I always say, look, you're not crazy. You're not, you're not insane. And I know it's hard. Hang in there. Yes, it is swimming upstream. Um, but take a look around at our culture and, and you don't want to go downstream with that. Mm. Um, and so, yes, it's just going to be hard. And in fact, we just did a whole series that took this theme by the bull, you know, the bull by the horns. And we just called it courageous parenting mm-hmm. because it's going to take courage, courage, determination, persistence to parent this way. And the more that we can support each other with that, look each other in the eyes, remind ourselves that we're not crazy for doing that, uh, draw strength from other parents who are doing it the way we're trying to do it. I think this is the the beauty and the power of the church, and um, and so that's that's a that's what I would I would say to that. Mm, well said. Mm. Well, again, we will we will link in the show notes several of the things that we talked about, including that um, FaceTime class that um, Jim mentioned. And yeah, we hope to continue this conversation. Um, but thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Jim, as always, and we'll be back again next week.